Well, good morning. Come on, can we do a little better and give it up for Jesus today? That's who we're here for. Amen. Well, it's, uh, it's an honor to be here. The last time I was here, we were in a school. And uh, I passed it on the way today, and I was like, Tammy, there's the school. It's just down the street. And uh, to see all that God's done, that um, the property and the building, and, and this building isn't containing what God's wanting to do. So I'm just believing for um, more space and uh, more buildings. And some of you are like, we just got in this one not too long ago. Well, um, it's the excitement of a growing church, right? Um, I always say I'd rather, I call them high-class problems. Not enough space is high-class problems. It's like people that their hot tub is leaking. I'm like, I don't feel bad for you. It's a high-class problem. Like your Mercedes, your tire's flat. I'm, I'm not, my heart's not hurting for you, right? I'd rather have that than the other kind of problems, right? Like no one showing up and no car to drive. Come on, anybody with me? Um, rather have those problems, but um, it's so good to be here. I love your pastor and his wife. We um, we were at dinner last night, and the waiter kept coming um, to get our food, and I was like, I'm sorry, we haven't seen each other in a while, and so we were a while before we even got to ordering the entree. I was like, we probably should order at some point. They would want to close the restaurant at some point, but just love them and love all that God is doing here, and um, I just want to say kudos to you as a church um, for uh, prioritizing rest in your senior leader. Um, too many people and too many conversations, unfortunately, that, that I've had with friends um, that aren't even doing it anymore, um, that, that finds themselves, they're, they're doing something else, not even ministry, because they didn't take care of themselves. And so I just say congratulations, kudos, way to go to you for supporting that, encouraging that. And can I say something as a pastor um, that no one asked me to say, but, if, but it, when I take time off, um, one of the most disheartening things is to hear that the people are not engaging at the level that they were engaging. Um, and so I just want to encourage you, engage at an even higher level um, as, as this little time of break happens for your pastor and his wife. And, and then buckle your seatbelt. Because with rest comes new fire and new passion and new ideas and new energy. And um, so even to the staff here, I would say, you know, buckle your seatbelt, um, get ready because um, it's going to come back like full throttle, I imagine. And uh, so just what a, what a great, what a great, great um, couple you have. What a gift in, in your pastor. I, I just, I think about him. I just think about consistency and integrity and steadiness and thoughtfulness and just love for people, just loves people um, all through the conversation and so hungry. Like we, we talk church. We set the restaurant from like six to nine thirty. talking church last night, just how to do better, how to reach more people, how to love people better. And, um, what a, what a gift, what a gift their family is. And so when they, when they come, but just love on them a lot and encourage them, pray for them. The greatest thing you could do, I tell our church, the greatest gift you could give me, um, is that you would pray for me every day. And uh, so I encourage you to pray for your pastor every day. And um, so we're glad to be here. Um, I'm, I'm Daniel from Fredericksburg, Virginia. You may not know where that is. I'm south of Washington, so pray for me um, because I'm an hour from the craziness. Um, and so <laughs> that's not a political statement. That's a reality of the place I live. Are you all with me? And uh, so um, we, we reach a lot of people that work in the government and in defense and in all kinds of sectors. And so God's um, allowed us to do a lot of fun things. And my wife, Tammy, is with me today, and she's my partner in crime. And I brought a picture of our family. I think I throw that up. This is from Christmas. It's, it's the, the best one where they all look normal that I have. 
Um, so um, on, on the left there, that's my son. He's the oldest. Owen, that is Faith. On the far right, my little girl, she's nine. And that's Abigail. She's 20 months. And she wasn't an accident. She was planned. Um, that far of a break. And then we have one on the way through adoption. So we're really excited about that. And so you can, if you think about it, be praying for us about that. Um, but I want to, I as Pastor Christian said, I want to build your faith today. Um, I'm just a guy that really does believe that we serve a big God, and um, and I just I grew up in a, a church environment um, where uh, if the people were happy, their faces didn't reflect it. Um, are you following me? If, if uh, and by the way, I kind of. Um, I'm, I may look white, but I kind of preach a little bit black, or I enjoy that. Um, and I, I pastor a very diverse church that talks to me. So if I look at you like, all right, can you, you know, it's okay to just like nod, or even if you don't enjoy it, nod, it makes me feel better. And I have to do this three times today. All right, so, um, but I grew up in a church that was just kind of like down, and, 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 and it was like, well, we'll just live on the earth till we get to heaven one day. And I would read things like the book of Acts and the New Testament and like Jesus saying, these and greater things will you do in my name. And I would read things like there's a joy that can fill my soul, that can carry me through any circumstance. And I was just like, man, I feel like we should be filled with joy, and I feel like we should be filled with some passion and some kind of smile and excitement and, and just believe that God can do the impossible. I don't know about you, but if, if my God isn't supernatural and can't break into the natural to do something that is unexplainable, then I'm going to do something else. I'm going to do something else with my life. But I just found that God is a supernatural working God and that he can do the impossible, that no matter the situation, that he is strong enough and he is powerful enough um, to turn it around. And so I hope to build your faith today. I hope you walk out going, yeah, God, God can, and God will, and God does, and in his timing, we'll, we'll trust him. And um, So I'm going to bring a message today called a Strategy for Struggle. And uh, I want to take it from the life of one of my favorite characters in the Bible. Um, it's Joseph in the Old Testament, not Joseph, the um, earthly father of Jesus, but Joseph in the Old Testament. I just want to read um, a few quick verses to you, and then we'll get into the message. If you're with me, say amen. Awesome. Um, we'll work on that, but that was pretty good. Um, Genesis 41, verse 37 says this, um, and you may, may be familiar or not familiar with the story, um, but Joseph has just gone to um, Pharaoh. Pharaoh had a dream, and out of the dream, um, he was able to interpret it, and then he gave him a strategy, a plan for leading through this famine that was going to come. And then Pharaoh responds and says, the plan seemed good to Pharaoh and to all his officials. So Pharaoh asked them, can we find anyone like this man in whom is the Spirit of God? And then Pharaoh said to Joseph, Since God has made all this known to you, there is no one so discerning and wise as you. You shall be in charge of my palace, and all my people are to submit to your orders. Only with respect to the throne will I be greater than you. What a moment, right? What a moment. Like Joseph is just promoted to this place of prominence in Pharaoh's court, and, um, and, and now he's going to run the whole country. What, what an incredible moment. But Joseph didn't get here um, in a moment. Are you with me? It's an incredible moment, but he didn't get here in a moment. There was a little bit of struggle on the way to the moment. Um, I, have, I showed you my son, Owen. He's 11. We have a ping pong table in the basement. And um, part of my parenting strategy is to beat him mercilessly 
at any activity I possibly can. Are you with me? He's, he's 11, and I need him to know that his dad is the man. Um, so that when he gets bigger than me, there's this kind of innate reverence of me. Are, anybody? Come on, dad, you with me? And so we're playing ping pong, and, um, and he's tenacious about it. So we'll keep playing over and over, but I just keep beating him. And then another part of my strategy is to talk trash to him when I'm beating him. And, um, and so we're playing one night down there and I beat him and it was a pretty good beating. And, and he goes, dad, just one more game, one more game, dad. I was like, all right, one more game. And we're only playing to five because it's time for you to go to bed. I don't know if he wanted to play or if he was trying to get out of going to bed. I think it was a little bit of both. And so I said, one more game and it's only to five and then we're going to bed. And he said, okay. And so we get into the game and we're back and forth and he's, he's doing pretty, he's getting better and better. He's doing pretty good. And at one point in the game, it was four, three, him, he was winning. And this thought hit me, what am I going to do if I lose? (laughs) Like I've talked so much trash to him and I've beat him so many times. What am I going to do? I don't have a plan if I lose. Now, good news is I came back, I beat him. But in that moment, I thought about that and I thought about our lives is that none of us plan to lose. Like you, you, don't, you don't go into a marriage and think, I think I'll train wreck this in about five years. <laughs> you don't, you know, you don't, you don't go to the new job and go, this is a great opportunity to build a new career, but I think I'm going to just try to get fired after about three years. I'm, I'm gonna, I think this is, you know, I got accepted to my dream school, but you know what? I think I'll fail out after the first semester and waste all of my parents' money. I don't think anybody goes into anything like that. I don't think we go into our faith going, you know, I want to follow God, but about three and a half years in, I think I'll just quit. I think I'll just give up on my faith. Nobody does that. We have plans to win, but my question is, do you have a plan for when you lose? Do you have a strategy to struggle? Because Jesus said this, in this world, you will have trouble. I'm not trying to, you know, my first time for some of you trying to preach this into a funeral this morning. Like, wow, this is encouraging. Can you be a little more positive? I can. I'm positive you're going to face trouble. (laughs) How about that? Like in this world, we're going to have trouble. Now he goes on to say, but take heart. I've overcome the world. But he does say, hey, you're going to have some struggles in life. And if you've lived any amount of life, you'll know that there are some struggles that we face in life. There are some things that pop up in life that you never wish they would have popped up. And there are some challenges in life that you had no control over that come into your life. And there are, let's be honest, some decisions that we make that aren't the best decisions that put us in the middle of struggles. And what do we do in the struggle? Because if we don't have a strategy in the struggle, I have found that people quit. I'm not saying that maybe they quit their marriage, but how many of you know you can live in the same house and not be married? There's no passion and there's no communication and there's no... I'm not saying that you'll you'll quit on God, but how many of you know you can show up at Sunday and you can be here but not be present? You can sit in a seat, but there's no connection with the Spirit of God. You can... Take up a spot in the parking lot, but there's no receiving of the word of God in your, because internally you've quit. You can still have the kids in the house, but it doesn't mean you're parenting them. You can still be getting a paycheck, but it doesn't mean you're stewarding what God has given you well. Because some of us quit 
although we're still showing up. So what do you do when you struggle? Because if you don't have a strategy for the struggle, then I find that you'll quit. And here's what I found about life. Is that often the struggle in our life isn't out here. It's, it's not the job necessarily. It's not this person or that person. It's not the neighbor. It's not the crazy HOA person. Everybody has one of those, right? <laughs> Walking around with their clipboard. If you're one of those person, we love you. <laughs> I have found that the greatest struggles are in here. The greatest struggles are the ones in here. God, do I have what it takes? I find that we don't struggle with our parenting because our kids are difficult. It's because we wonder if we can really be the father I'm supposed to be. It's because of the insecurities in here. It's because of the questioning in here. And so do you have a strategy for struggle? I think in the life of Joseph, we find a strategy. Because although the text we read looked like he's on the mountaintop, and he's at the pinnacle of the moment, like this is the moment, He's, he's being promoted. But if you don't know the context of the story, you don't understand that Joseph is a struggler. That Joseph has walked through some things in life. That Joseph has been at some low moments. He's had some high moments, but he's also been at some challenging moments. And what Joseph does in those challenging moments, I believe, is a roadmap for us of how to walk through a struggle well. Because the reality of life I've experienced is that you're either in one, you're coming out of one, or there could be one around the corner. And how you walk through it determines what happens on the other side of it. What you do when you walk through it determines if you go to the palace or if you stay stuck in the prison. And so I just want to pull out three things. If you're with me, say amen. Three things today um, that I think will help us in the struggle. Now, if you don't know the whole story of Joseph, I'm going to give you the Cliff Notes version. That's what I lived on in college, the Cliff Notes. Anybody remember Cliff Notes? If you don't know what Cliff Notes are, ask your parents or Google it. Um, but um, the Cliff Notes version of this is that Joseph um, is this young, like 15, 16 year old, most scholars believe, and he has this dream, and the dream is this. Um, basically, the interpretation of the dream is that all of his brothers are bowing down to him. Then he has a, another dream, and in that dream, it's that his whole family is bowing down to him, mom and dad. And Joseph shares the dream with his brothers, which that is not the best thing to do with your siblings. I have two older sisters. It would not go over well if I said, God spoke to me, you will bow before me one day. Like, that's just not the thing to do. And so, but that's what Joseph did. And, um, and then they hated him because they hated him. Um, they put him in um, a pit. They put him in a pit. And then from the pit, they put him, he has sold him to gypsies. And the gypsies sold him to a guy named Potiphar. And Potiphar puts him over his house. And then he gets falsely accused of sexual harassment. And then he ends up in jail. And then he goes from jail. And then he ends up in the palace. All right. That's the cliff notes of Joseph's life. And so I think we see first, if I could take each instance, the pit, um, Potiphar's house, and the palace would represent three different areas where we see how Joseph struggled well. And I think the pit represents this. Number one is it represents surrender. Represents surrender. I believe that if you're going to struggle well or, or, or 
succeed through the struggle because God says that he will walk with us through the storm. doesn't always take us out of the storm. That's, that's the prayer, right? God, get me out of the storm. Get me out of the struggle. Um, but he says, hey, sometimes I'm going to jump in the boat with you and go to the other side with you, and I will be with you in the middle of the storm. I think the first thing we have to learn to do is surrender. Is say, God, I'm, I, I completely surrender my everything to you. God, I don't like it. I don't enjoy it. I'm not happy with it. I don't know if you know, but it's okay to be honest with God in that way. But God, I'm surrendered to you. God, I'm, I'm submitted to you. God, whatever you want for me, I'm submitted. I, I can't say that I do this every day, but almost every day for the last several years, I've started my day this way, just with my hands out, saying, God, Today, I just want to tell you, I submit my life to you again today. I'm just submitted to you. Not not to Daniel's plans, not to my dreams, not to how I want this to work out, not to the story that I want to write about my life, but, but I'm submitted to you. I'm surrendered to you. How would it change your life if you started your every day? Going, God, in the good and in the bad, I'm, I'm submitted. I yield my life to you, where I live in Fredericksburg, um, we have a roundabout. Anybody have round? You know, a roundabout. Everybody know what roundabout is. Some of you don't. That's okay. A roundabout, or you you didn't indicate it. Um, <laughs> some assuming you don't know. A roundabout is like where you you drive. No one knows how to use them. Can we just be honest? Nobody knows how to use them in my city. Nobody but me knows how to use them. <laughs> Isn't that what we all think? No one else knows how to drive but me. So in this roundabout, so it's, it's the only roundabout in our city is at the mall. So you go into the mall and people don't know which way to go and how to exit off of it. But the idea of a roundabout is that someone yields to someone else in the roundabout, right? Or you end up with wrecks and collisions and, and bad things happening. Can I tell you something? That life in the struggle and life in faith is about yielding to the will of God in our life. It's about yielding to what God wants for us. And whenever we refuse to yield to what God is doing in our life, we end up in wrecks, we end up in collisions, we end up in even deeper struggle in our life when we're unwilling to surrender and submit to God. For some of you today, you may be in a very challenging place in your life, and you're fighting against what God is wanting to do in your life, and it could be that God is using the struggle. I'm not saying he sent the struggle because every good and perfect gift comes from God above, but he could be using the struggle to hone and craft something in you, but you're resisting it instead of submitting to it, but in submitting to it, God could be doing something in you that he wants to do in you because he sees a palace, even though you don't see the palace he sees the palace and if he doesn't do this thing in you here joseph if you don't learn to submit in the pit joseph i can never trust you with the palace and for some of you today god is wanting to trust you with the palace but you're unwilling to submit in the pit you know what the end of the day submission a lack of submission is it's really a lack of trust it's really a lack of trust Because if I really trust God and that he is sovereign over my life, then even in the painful things, I will continue to trust God. David said it this way, the Lord is my shepherd. 
I don't have anything I want for. Why? Because I trust my shepherd. Right? I have trust. I can submit to the shepherd. Even when the shepherd leads me down a path that is challenging. And I would just throw this out as consideration. If the greatest man that ever lived had to walk through a cross to get to a resurrection, wouldn't we be arrogant to think that we won't walk through some crosses to get to our resurrections? So you got to submit. The next, Joseph finds himself, so he's in the pit, right? And then his brothers sell him to some gypsies. Um, because one of them talks him into not killing him. Like, that was, the, that was the good alternative. Sell him, not kill him. I guess that's a good alternative, right? You get to live. Amen? You get, living is good. All right? And so he, he, he moves on. And, and then he sells him to this guy named Potiphar. And the interesting thing about Potiphar is Potiphar is the leader of, um, of the palace guard. And so he works for Pharaoh. So, so God was inching him closer to his destiny, um, although it didn't look like it on the surface. And so he puts him in, um, in this prison, and, uh, and he's serving Potiphar's house. And here's the amazing thing about Joseph, is that no matter where God puts him, and no matter where life finds him, he rises to the top. He finds favor on his life. And he rises to the top of everywhere that he goes. And so next he finds himself in Potiphar's house serving and, and, and leading all these people and finding himself the, the second rank in the house of Potiphar. And I think this time in, in Potiphar's house represents um, a staying power. The word stay. See, because he goes from Potiphar's house being wrongly accused into a prison. But through all that... The Bible says, but the favor of God is on Joseph. The favor of God is on Joseph. I think it's amazing how Joseph had the power to stay faithful no matter the circumstance. To stay faithful. If you're going to succeed in the struggle, I think you've got to learn to stay faithful no matter the circumstance. To just... Step by step, day after day, I'm going to stay faithful to the thing that God has called me to. When the marriage is good and when the marriage is bad, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to stay faithful to what God has called me to. When I can see a light at the end of the tunnel and when I can't see a light at the end of the tunnel, I'm just going to stay faithful to what God has called me to do. When it's easy to serve at Journey Church and when I man, just don't feel like getting out of bed and going to serve, I'm going to stay faithful to what God has called me to. Whenever it's easy to be a tither and to be a giver and to be generous, I'm going to give. And when it's difficult, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to stay faithful to the thing that God has called me to. Joseph had the ability to stay faithful no matter what. He had every reason to quit. He had every reason when Potiphar's wife was like, you're good looking and we ought to get with each other. And if you kept kids in here, they should be in journey kids. But like, <laughs> we, you know, like we should, are y'all following me? Like, we should get busy. He had every reason to go, God has forgotten about me. God doesn't hear me. That dream God gave me, that was all. I'm, I'm done with this. I'm walking away from this. I'm going to have my way with her. And the husband will never know about it. I'm going to do it. He had every reason to do that. There was no accountability around. There was no family around. And there seemed to be no God around. Joseph said, no, I can't do that. 
I can't do that. God's got something on my life. God's got a purpose for me. God's got a plan for me. God's got a destiny for me. There's a dream inside of me. There's something inside of me that God has deposited on me. There is a better future. My marriage can be everything it's supposed to be. I do have a calling, a career. God, there is, there is something. I can't do that. I can't compromise in this little way that maybe nobody would know about. I've got to stay faithful. And can I tell you something? Faithfulness is the key to succeeding in the struggle. You got to stay faithful. See, see, Joseph couldn't go off what he was seeing. He had to go off what God had said. And sometimes in life, you won't be able to see it. But you've got to go off what God has said. In our church planning journey of 13 years, I guess we're not a church plan anymore. We keep opening campuses, so we keep planning new churches, right? There's been so many times where I was like, God, I can't see it. I can't see this new facility we're about to open a second building and um since we we were at six campuses now and, and every time i'm like how are we gonna i can't see it but god's put a dream in my god said something to me and i have to go off what he said not what i see the world will tell you go off what you see god will say go off what i said his word is more powerful than anything you're seeing you may not see that child loving God, but he gave you a word that said, my word won't return void. Raise them in the way that they should go, and when they're old, they won't depart from it. You keep praying, Mom. You keep praying, Dad. You keep believing. You keep staying faithful. You keep holding to the word of God. You keep holding to what God said over what you see. Single mom, you keep holding on to what God said to you. Mother that's in here, and you're believing for God. You're in here, and your husband won't even come to church with you. You keep believing what God said to you. You stay faithful to the word that God, when it's easy and when it's hard when you're exhausted and when you're full of energy when you're crying tears that no one has seen you stay faithful because our God is faithful and you will end up in the palace you will end up in the place where God wants you the dream will come to fulfillment because we serve a faithful God we serve a faithful God but you stay faithful and I'll give you this one as a freebie you stay engaged you know what, it blows my mind that people begin to struggle. I'm sure you've seen this. Do ministry long enough. People begin to struggle, and one of the first things they disengage from is the church. It makes no sense to me. The one place that can hold your arms up, if you open your heart up, and you're in a place that's full of grace. You're in a place where you can just lay it all on the table. Nobody's going to go, oh my goodness. Now they're going to love you going to walk with you, going to pray for you, going to encourage you, going to speak faith into you, going to believe when you can't believe. People, I'm going to say, stay engaged. Stay engaged. On a very practical moment, can I say, hey, thank you for being the people that free up seats in the other services. Are you with me? Stay faithful to this service. Why? Because there's people far from God that they, I don't know if you know, they usually don't come to church at 8.15. In my experience. Missouri may be different, I don't know. I'm just saying my experience. Thank you for being faithful in this time. Wouldn't it be easier to sleep a little longer? But you, 
You know, you're staying faithful because you know it's about what God wants to do in this place, right? So lastly, he goes from, goes from the, the prison and he ends up in the palace. Ends up in the palace in the text we read. I mean, what a moment, right? All this struggle. If you don't know, it's been about 15 years. Most scholars believe that he was 15 or 16 and is about 30 now. 15 years or so of challenge, of struggle. And now he is put in place. This place, the palace is what I call the place of service. It's where he is serving somebody else's dream while his dream is still unfulfilled. Let me ask you something. Can you serve someone else's dream while you're waiting for your dream to be fulfilled? Let me ask it this way. Can you pray for somebody else's healing while you're still waiting on your own? Can you pray for somebody else's child while yours is still far from God? Can you pray for someone else's situation to get a breakthrough while you're still waiting on your own breakthrough? It's how you make it through the struggle. It's how you thrive through the struggle. Because if not, you can sit in the prison and just, woe is me. Poor me. Nobody's thinking about me. Why isn't anybody serving me? Why didn't anybody from the church call me? Why didn't anybody pray for me? I'm not saying all those things shouldn't happen. struggle can you go who can I pray for because the Bible says what you make happen for others God will make happen for you so just maybe the the upside downness of the kingdom of God is that when I'm struggling I need to pray for another struggling and that when I'm lonely I need to offer community for someone else that is lonely and in my serving somebody else's need God will in turn meet my needs in my generosity to someone else. Love week's coming up, right? You got an opportunity. I don't have time to do love week. I got so much going on. I got this, I got this problem, this struggle. The answer to the prayer you've been praying may be found in the project you serve on. Can you serve somebody else's dream while you still have a dream in your heart? Because you know, It was in serving Pharaoh's dream that Joseph would prepare the nation for the famine. He would stockpile all these reserves and then it would be seven years of famine. His strategy worked well. And wouldn't you know, his family in the famine would get hungry. And when they got hungry, their dad would say, I heard someone in Egypt has prepared for the famine. Didn't know who it was. And so they went to that someone, their brother, 15 years later, not knowing who it was, not recognizing him when they walked into the room. And guess what they did? They all bowed before him. And Joseph says to them, this is my favorite part of the whole text. Joseph says to them, get up. God sent me here to save many. 
The dream was never about his brothers bowing. The dream was about God saving people through Joseph. But he had never been in the palace if he hadn't have been in the prison. Because it was in the prison that he met the cupbearer and the baker who would eventually tell the king about Joseph. But he'd never been in the prison if he'd never been in Potiphar's house. And if he'd have never got falsely accused of sexual harassment in Potiphar's house. But he'd never been in Potiphar's house if he'd never been sold to gypsies. And if he'd have never been sold to gypsies, if he'd never been in the pit. And he'd never been in the pit if his brothers had never thrown him into the pit. If they'd have never hated him, they never would have thrown him into the pit. But because they hated him and put him in a pit, he ended up with gypsies. And then he ended up in Potiphar's house. Then he ended up in prison. And then he ended up in the palace. Here's what I want you to see. Is that through all this, God was not pushing Joseph away from his dream. He was actually pulling Joseph to the very dream that he had deposited in his heart 15 years earlier. Can I maybe help switch your perspective and build your faith today to say that the struggles you are walking through is not God against you. It could be that God is pulling you to the very thing that God has for you. And so it could be the struggle is promoting you, not trying to destroy you. If you have eyes to see it. The struggle could be a gift. Your greatest power could come out of this great struggle. Garden of Gethsemane, Jesus prayed. And the battle for our salvation, I don't think was won on the cross. I think it was won in the garden. Where he said, not my will, but yours be done. And it said, he was so pressed that drops of blood came from his brow. The anointing of our salvation was pressed out of him in the garden. And it could be your greatest anointing ministry, your greatest power in your faith, it just may come out of your greatest pressing. But if you resist the struggle, then you'll forever live in the struggle. But if you'll learn to surrender to God, learn to stay faithful, learn to serve in the middle of it, you'll find yourself fulfilling the thing that God has called you to fulfill. Will you pray with me?